0: Welcome to Family Law Talk, presented by Kirk Stange of Stange Law Firm, PC. Stange Law Firm is a family law firm in the St. Louis metro area, with offices in Missouri and Illinois. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stange.
1: Welcome to Family Law Talk. My name is Kirk Stange, and I am one of the managing partners of Stange Law Firm, which is a family law firm with multiple offices in the St. Louis metro area in Missouri and Illinois. Today's topic is an interesting one on Family Law Talk with Stangy Law Firm. The topic is Tips for Testifying in Family and Divorce Court. It's a really interesting topic. It's based on an article on our webpage, stangylawfirm.com, titled 10 Recommendations for Testifying in Divorce Court. So as a follow-up to uh, today's podcast you can go to com, hit the articles tab and you can see the article titled 10 recommendations for testifying in divorce court definitely an interesting topic and one in which i think would be very useful to the listeners out there today i have uh... another attorney at my firm on the phone with me john kirschman john you on the phone with me today
0: yes i am how are you today
1: Doing great, doing doing great. But we're going to get into the topic today because obviously, you know, a lot of folks out there, you know, might be in the midst of a family law case, and uh, they're they're probably worried about the idea of having to come into court and testify. And and uh, for for the average folks out there, this isn't something they do every day, and can cause a uh, probably a great deal of kind of stress in terms of how do I. You know, how do I behave? How do I act? It's kind of a, kind of similar to going into a social setting, maybe that that you don't go into every day, and so you just feel kind of uncomfortable. And I think that can cause a lot of people that have to come into court and testify to case to kind of freeze up theoretically, or you know, just come in and not put their best foot forward. So what we're going to try to do today is go through ten simple recommendations for testifying and. Uh, in divorce court. Before we get to that, I should state that I always do that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision. That should not be based solely upon advertisements and that the information you obtain today in this episode is general in nature and it may not apply to specific factual legal circumstance. Therefore, if you require specific legal advice or if you have a particular trial coming up, you obviously want to hire an attorney who's licensed and competent to practice law in your jurisdiction so that that way they can give you specific advice to your case. But what we're going to do today is try to go through some kind of general tips that I think just about any attorney would uh, probably agree with are, are good tips overall. So we've got 10 of them. We're going to uh, go through these today. The first one is uh, tell the truth. John, tell the listeners why telling the truth is is pretty critical, pretty, pretty yeah. fundamental in, uh, in testifying <laughs> in court. Yeah, I
0: think uh, this is this is pretty fair to say that this is important to do across all areas of your life. It's something I tell my own children on a regular basis. If you uh, if you're not telling the truth, then you have to not, continue to not tell the truth to cover up well the lie. And in court, that that will just people think that if you have something bad, that you should maybe they shouldn't say it. But oftentimes you're just not often you're just better off saying it and move on. If you lie about it, it's just going to destroy your credibility in front of the court. And even when you're telling the truth, people may not uh, certainly the a, a judge isn't going to. Is going to doubt everything you say from that point on.
1: Yeah, I mean that's absolutely true. And I think you know a lot of people out there have, I think misconceptions at times. You know they see that Jim Carrey movie, Liar Liar, and they think, oh my goodness, you know what I'm, what I do is is not tell the truth. But obviously, you, know, you, you got to tell the truth in a family law case and or in any case for that matter, you're under oath. You got to tell the truth. You could be uh, charged with perjury. I mean you got to tell the truth, and that's right. what, leads to the better result right we all got skeletons in the closet everybody's done something maybe uh they don't feel great about but you're better just delayed out there and and let it be what it be because right you lie and the judge or jury figures out that uh you lie and then your credibility can be shot um so that's pretty key uh the next one we have on our list is listen carefully to the question asked so why is
0: that important john i think among other things it's it's oftentimes human nature to just want to respond very quickly that you're you start to hear what somebody's saying and you want to just predict or presume what they're getting at and you want to answer the question and then in in this setting it's particularly important to listen carefully to questions so you give a, a precise answer among other things i know oftentimes i'll i'll recommend people even count mississippis in their head it feels like it's taken a long time but it's actually very quick and that gives you Time to really contemplate everything that uh, was asked, and uh, give your attorney time to object if necessary. Um, but certainly, you want to make sure that you, that you are giving a full and complete answer to a question you understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, I think that's totally true. And yeah, I think the Mississippi technique is uh, is a good one, where you tell your client to count to two or three Mississippi before they answer. That way, they you know they make sure they understand what the question is and. And, and they uh, versus just kind of shooting from the hip <clears throat> with, uh, you know, a statement that they uh, put just a little bit of thought, I mean, just a couple seconds worth of thought on what they're going to say before they say it. That way it comes out how they want it to come out, and, and uh, that's definitely true. I know in, in, in uh, interviewing a lot of attorneys at trial, you know, a lot of witnesses want to interrupt you before you're even done with the question. Yeah. Like they're so excited to answer, they just want to blurt something out, which uh, which is definitely not a good thing. <laughs> Right. And sometimes they might answer stuff that I'm not even asking, you know, and they open right. up open up doors and maybe I wouldn't have gone down. Uh, the next one is seek clarification if needed. Why? Why is that important?
0: Uh, here again to make sure that you're you're answering the question appropriately. Uh, I think folks are often just worried about feeling stupid. I think anybody is. They're, they're like, oh, I don't want to look dumb in front of everybody in the court. And I like, I'd rather look as dumb as possible if if that's what it takes to make sure that you understand the question there's no one is going to penalize you for saying i don't understand what that person just asked me or i'm not sure if you're asking me even if you need to to clarification are you asking me if that chair is brown then yes if you are asking me if it's black then no i mean what it's not going to you're better off taking the chance of looking stupid than just not answering a question correctly
1: yeah and I think this is definitely true for the nervous folks out there. I mean, some of you probably know who you are. A lot of people thrive on speaking publicly and being in front of people, and a lot of people frankly makes them very nervous and I always worry about the clients that that you know might be extremely intelligent, very smart people, but they're just not used to uh having to think quickly on their feet in front of in front of other people and I think those folks particularly have to be careful that they uh and make sure they understand the question, and they kind of slow the slow the game down, so to speak. It's not a sprint, uh, so slow it down. Make sure you understand the question, and then give give the court a good answer. The you know one that's accurate. Um, so that's I mean I think that's definitely true. Um, it's a good thing to ask for clarification. Uh, the fourth one we have on the list, just kind of working down, is when ready, answer the question and only the question that's been asked. And why is that important?
0: That's important for, there's a couple of reasons. One is you risk, of course, not answering the the question specifically uh, or opening the doors to things you shouldn't be opening the doors to. And uh, I think sometimes people hear a question and they they think they know where it's going next and they want to add context or they want to explain. I think the pitfall for a lot of people there is they end up interjecting an opinion, which I call that the, the... like a Judge Judy thing. If you ever watch Judge Judy, she's fine when everybody's just stating facts. As soon as they start injecting their opinion, she gets pretty aggravated. And I think that's what happens here when you don't answer the question. Right, and a lot of people do
1: that when they don't. You know, the, maybe the question's one they don't want to ask, and so they get they get that question coming their way, and oh boy, that's one they'd rather b- avoid. So they try to kind of divert and answer the answer something different, which isn't. Uh, which isn't the question that was actually asked of them. And, uh, you know, a good yeah. attorney's not going to let a witness do that anyway. I mean, they're going to instruct the the witness to, to, you know, or at least seek the help from the judge if need be to, to 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 have the witness answer the question that's been asked of them and only that question. And that's definitely a yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, key piece. Yeah, um, let's see. So the next one, and, and I'll just say this as well. Oftentimes, if I ask a question of a witness and they answer something different, I'll just ask my exact same question again and just keep asking it until I get an answer. Okay. And,
0: uh Right. <laughs> it hurts their credibility so, when they do that, right? There, and they're not answering. It goes back
1: to that credibility. Right. I mean, I just keep I keep asking it until I, if it's a relevant question, I'm going to keep asking it until I until I get an answer from it. Uh, the next one is don't volunteer, uh, which is definitely an interesting one. And what do you say about that? yeah
0: it 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 kind of mirrors the previous one. It goes to some of these others just listening carefully i mean it's it's they just build on top of each other here again you want to be in control of your testimony and if you're volunteering it's uh it it could be detrimental and opening doors that maybe uh your attorney doesn't doesn't want to go down among other things.
1: Yeah, I think this is definitely true on cross examine as well. Cross-examination witnesses that are being cross-examined by attorney, you know, oftentimes, what they feel like, uh, you know, if it's opposing counsel in the case, they feel like if they tell opposing counsel this critical fact, that they're going to convince that attorney that that they're right about the case and that that attorney's client's wrong. Right. I mean, I right. think I. I mean, I've had clients through the years that that come from that that mindset, and of course. You know, they're forgetting that an attorney's a professional, and and the professional's got to represent a client, and so even if you give that volunteered information, which you think is fantastic, and that's going to change their mind, I mean, a professional attorney who's representing a client, I mean, that's not going to sway them in the middle of a trial. And, uh, right, you can open up doors that maybe, uh, that don't need to be opened up. And so, right, I mean, don't volunteer, just answer, answer the questions that have been asked and, and leave it there. And if, uh, if your attorney thinks there needs to be a follow up question or something else asked, I mean, a good attorney's going to ask it and, uh, yeah, definitely not wise to, to volunteer. The next one's an interesting one because I think the next one, number six on the list is one that a lot of people think, uh, is almost, you know kind of a wrong thing to do it's almost kind of like a politician kind of move but i mean yes no i don't know are responsive answers and the i don't know one is uh is the interesting one that i'm talking about in particular i think a lot of witnesses are afraid to say i don't know so so what do you say about that why why is yes no and i don't know why are those responsive answers
0: yeah that's true this is one of my favorite ones it's it's something i go through with clients in depth that it's perfectly okay to not know the answer to a question or to not to not remember something you know if you don't know you don't remember i think people get so they're so nervous and they're they're again so worried about whether somebody has what they think of them that they have to just really struggle to answer something and uh yeah it's just you're better off it's if it's a yes or no question just answer yes or no and if you don't know make it clear you don't know if you it's it just makes your life a lot easier and it's perfectly okay to not know an answer to something.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, and I think as well, you know, if you, if you don't know, but then you throw an answer out there and you turn out to be wrong, then you can get yourself into big into big trouble as well. And somebody might assume that maybe yeah. you weren't telling the truth at all. So if they, you know, if somebody asks you on what date did x incident happen and you give the wrong date and and maybe it's just because you don't remember the exact date and so you give a date it's the wrong date i mean a court theoretically could conclude that you weren't being truthful and, and uh that maybe you were trying to mislead and so that's where it's really important that if you if you truly do not know the answer to the question um then yeah then the, i don't know is the the proper answer and of course you know an attorney who's asking the questions if they've got some document or evidence or something to refresh your recollection then that attorney can show that to you and and then maybe you know in the midst of a trial something you didn't know now your memory's been refreshed and now you do know and 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 so if you know you've got to answer the question but but right i just think guessing on the stand is a problem and and in, in, in simply saying, I don't know is better if you're not sure, because that, that can get you in a lot of trouble, cause you to lose a lot of credibility with the court, or maybe you yeah. weren't even at, attending to be evasive. Um, but, I, yeah, I think a lot of people are resistant to say, I don't know, because um, – You know, they see politicians and maybe athletes, you know, testifying before Congress, giving answers like that, (laughs) right? right. It just doesn't doesn't feel good to them. On the other hand, obviously, you don't want to say I don't know over and over and over again if you know. That's bad, too, and that's not truthful. But if you don't know, you don't know. Um, All right, so the next one kind of falls into into line with I don't know, which is number seven, which is don't guess or speculate. And why is that important?
0: Yeah, folks are probably starting to see a theme here, how – Credibility is everything here, and, and that's one of the themes. You just want to maintain your credibility, and if you're guessing or speculating, and one, especially if you're you're trying to, you know, give expert I mean expert type opinion, or what you or what should be left for an expert opinion, or you, again, you're just taking a stab at it. It's just going to hurt your credibility later on if it's just not your own firsthand experience. And uh, yeah, it's just it goes back to just say I don't know, and that's that's the end right. of
1: that. Yeah, I give a just uh, give a kind of a concrete example of the times I've seen happen in cases too. Home values comes up a lot of times in cases. So I've had a lot of a lot of clients through the years who'll be asked either at deposition or their trial, uh, you know, what what do you think your home is worth. And you know, clients aren't appraisers, and and right. you know, some clients might that. have, yeah, and some clients might have a sophistication level where they're maybe, you know, they're paying attention to other homes going for a sale in the neighborhood, and and maybe they're a little more educated, so they have a little bit of an idea, and so some of those clients can might be able to give a range to a question like that, but some folks, and I'm probably this type of person myself. I mean, if another house is for for sale in my neighborhood. I'm not paying attention to that. I'm not pulling the brochure out of the, you know, right. the, little, the little thing they stick yeah. in your yard that gives the sale price. Right. I mean, I don't look at that. So I would have no idea, right. really. Truthfully, I haven't paid attention since I bought my house a long time ago. And on the other hand, my wife is probably more educated. I think, in terms of what what other homes might be going in the neighborhood, but again, I mean, so you get a question like that, what do you think your home is worth, and if you truly don't know, don't guess I mean, don't just throw out some number because you could throw out a high number that's inaccurate or a low number that's inaccurate, and that could end up having a big bearing on the property division in your case, and so you know if you don't know, i think I think it's just it's just a fair thing to not guess, not speculate, simply say, you know, I'd have to get that house appraised I don't. I don't know just off the top of my head what that'd be worth, so I think that that's a pretty big key and a pretty big piece, and really, a court really can't or shouldn't hold that against you if you truly don't if you truly don't know um, all right, so moving on to number eight uh, which is watch out for compound questions and for a wrongful summation of the facts, so tell the listeners why that's important
0: well hopefully um. You get, in a, you get an objection to an attorney from this, but it, it doesn't always happen. Oftentimes these things are going so fast. A line of questions are coming out, and the attorney might uh, summarize some uh, a completely different set of facts or part of the question, and you're in that moment, and you're just answering questions really quickly. One, if you go back to some of the other tips early, and you're just slowing down and you're listening carefully, you'll catch it. But uh, if you get caught up in, in that moment and you're um, – you, you could end up answering a question as if uh, the set of facts that the attorney asking the question uh, were are true, and it goes back to then hurting hurting credibility.
1: Yeah, I think this goes right to you know in lawyer land, where there's an objection to trial called assumes facts, not in evidence. That the question assumes facts, not in evidence. So, and, and attorneys do this all the time with witnesses, and right an astute witness. Can slow this thing down and point it out. I, I mean, just give you a, a, a hypothetical a situation. I mean, an attorney could ask a question like this, which is, well, sure. On the night uh, that uh, you were drinking on X day, you were arrested that evening, weren't you? And, and so that question assumes that that witness was drinking. And if that witness wasn't drinking, they could say, well, listen, on that night I was arrested, but I wasn't drinking. So I mean, your question oh, yeah. assumes I was drinking, I wasn't, and there's no facts put on. On that point, to, to show that that actually happened, and so you know, I mean, the compound and the wrongful summation—it's like a couple different concepts, you know, lumped together. Um, you know, I mean, an, an attorney could ask a question along the lines of, you know, that car worth twenty thousand dollars, who did you sell it to? Well, there's right. two questions there, right? Yeah, <laughs> you just—I mean, it was lumped yeah. in that that car was worth twenty thousand dollars, so maybe it wasn't worth twenty thousand. So, you know, good witness is going to say, okay, well, listen. Here's who I sold the car to, but listen, I didn't. It wasn't worth twenty thousand, and, and a lot of witnesses would just blurt out who they sold the car to, which then um, then leads, I think, probably a court to conclude, oh, well, that, I guess that car was worth twenty thousand.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: now, a good attorney should jump up and protect their clients in these situations and object that the question is a compound or it assumes facts not in evidence. But the witnesses need to be astute too. Um, so that is definitely a good one. And then moving yeah. on to number nine, we've got avoid getting boxed in with everything, you know, or remember or absolute words like no, never and all. So what does that, what does that mean and where we're going with that?
0: Yeah, those are That's you always want to give your, keep yourself with have some wiggle room. I mean, if we're talking to folks who want to have wiggle room while you want to box in the other side and, um, you know, what I'll say is you know good words are generally you know the uh, people like to say i I always take my kid to school and I'm making something up, but kids, I always take my kid to school at eight o'clock in the morning always you always i mean if you ever had a time, you know I know maybe oh yeah, there was that time uh, you got up late and I brought him in at eight fifteen, so those are things to be careful, you not always all it takes is one time you didn't do it and say, well you didn't you don't always do that, do you? just generally here's what I do, <laughs> or that that's where. People can can get themselves into a hole if they're saying, uh, I always do this, and, oh, I never, I never do that. And then there's just all it takes is one example, and it goes back to the theme we've had here. It could really destroy your credibility. Yeah, no
1: question. I think a lot of attorneys will try to, um, you know, I mean, I think if you're time-crunched at trial, you're trying to get the case done, a lot of attorneys will – will be pleased if the witness talks in absolutes like that no and never and all always and because it moves that trial along but right if you say you never drink and uh actually over the course of the last year you drank three or four times right you know which it wouldn't be a lot of times theoretically to drink in the course of a year so three or four times you had an alcoholic beverage but you testify that you never drink right your credibility shot so you have to be precise and careful with your words and uh, not and not overstate uh, something or understate something, and uh, and I think again a good attorney is going to help the witness out by, you know, when it, when a, when I see an opposing counsel ask these types of absolute questions, I mean normally I'll object, not limited in time or scope, mm-hmm. to make sure we know what right. time frame we're talking about. You know, what time frame are we talking about? You know. You know, the right. questions like "Do you ever drink?" Well, you know, objection, not limited in time or scope, and what is, I mean, what are we talking about? 2014, 2013. I mean, what?
0: Right. What yeah. are we talking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but a lot of attorneys are just trying to move that trial quick. They love those questions because you paint with a broad brush and you get the answer you want, and you move on. And uh, but but definitely uh, can be a problem for the witnesses. Uh, that gets us uh, to number ten, which is be respectful in dress for success. And why is that important in the courtroom?
0: Well, it, you only have one shot at this. I mean, that should be your your thought and um, show that you care. I mean, you 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 want to make a favorable impression. You want the the, the judge, the trier of fact, to find you credible. And the, the, it starts with showing that you care, showing that uh, that you have respect for the court, for the system, and um, also it projects a, a, a sense of of not just caring, but that you want to that yeah. I think that's just really important. It's just showing that you care, and showing that you care, and that this is meaningful to you is a huge part of it. And, and coming coming dressed appropriately, uh, you you could tell. The Looks on uh, judges' faces. You see people coming in with T-shirts hanging out of their pants, and it just says, I, you know, "I don't care. This doesn't really mean anything to me." You, and you can, you're going to you can end up with a result that reflects that.
1: And yeah, be courteous
0: to, to everybody. I mean, that's that's a key thing too. You just never know. You see, you don't think anything of a clerk, and maybe you mouth off to them or you give them a snide remark, and you know that person is really close to the judges. Be courteous and show you care. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely
1: true. Well, I think this is definitely an interesting topic here today, and obviously we're just kind of brushing the surface uh, in terms of testifying in court. And obviously, you know, any – individual out there who has a court case and might end up in, in uh, the family court testifying. Obviously, it's critical to get an attorney and get somebody who has trial experience and who can give you specific advice regarding your, your case. But hopefully, in a general sense, we've put some good tips out there. And A lot of this is, I think, pretty obvious in some ways, but once we kind of get down the list uh, past the first couple, I think some of these might uh, might be something that a lot of folks haven't really thought about. So uh, We want to thank all the listeners for coming online with us today and listening to Family Law Talk with Stangy Law Firm. I want to thank John for coming on the phone with me and and stay tuned for our next exciting episode with Family Law Talk with Stangy Law Firm. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stengy. Visit StangeLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today.